Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful with my sling and stuff. Am I going to get sued? Is that legal on this? I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live on YouTube, and today breaking down breakout players in the AFC. What are you doing over there, Sam? What am I doing? I am sweltering in the Florida heat. It's uh, it's pretty hot and humid down here. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm looking at the wrong camera this entire time, pretending that you were sitting in the chair here instead of looking right at you. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good How start. About that? Yeah, great start for us. You're in the echoey room, so we apologize if the audio's not up to snuff, but it's your dad's fault, not you. Yeah, it's as, it's as good as I can make this room. There's, I'm actually, there's a microphone with this thing, a sound shield right in front of it, and I'm talking right into it. This is as good as I can make this audio. So I apologize because I can hear it echoing in my own head. It doesn't sound great, but it's as good as I can make it. It really is. Well, I appreciate the effort. It's the off-season for all of us. But uh, it's not really the off-season because we're still working and we're still talking a little NFL. And uh, you wrote an entire article on breakout players in the NFL. You want to go through a little bit of what – so I, I made my own list, but what was your criteria? What were you looking for here as far as breakout players? We'll do AFC today and then NFC later in the week. Yeah, fascinatingly, there's uh... – that was an article from a long time ago. I think we have another one that's gone up in the last sort of a uh, few weeks that were uh, more current breakout candidates based off the draft and free agency moves and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's definitely free agent time, or for, not free agent time, breakout candidate time, and let's see where we end up. So what are we doing first, AFC? What's, what's, what order are you working in? Um, Reverse, we're going to go AFC. Sideways, alphabetical. No, we're going to go AFC, just pure alphabetical here. So we did reverse alphabetical for our last Top 32 series. And uh, I did get a thank you from at least a Bills Bills fan. They're like, hey, the the buildup of anticipation was worth worth it, right? It was worth it for for June. So um, we're going to start at the top again with the AFC. That all work for you? Once I – man, I'm, I'm trying to – I'm just a mess right now. Where's Fabric? Perfect. Right after I tell you, 
that as a parent, your top priority is always your children's well-being. You want to give them everything they need to grow and thrive, both now and in the future, with term life insurance from Fabric by Gerber Life. Help protect your family so their future is secure no matter what happens. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy quickly, often in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. So take steps to help protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Take the 60-second quiz to find out if term life insurance is right for you, and apply today in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. That's meetfabric.com slash pffnfl, M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash PFFNFL. Policy is issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company and distributed by Gerber Life Agency LLC using fabric technology is not available in certain states. Price is subject to underwriting and health questions. For more information, visit us at meetfabric.com slash PFFNFL. All right, man, as we said, alphabetical through the AFC. That takes us to the Baltimore Ravens first. I did get a, I was actually surprised how many emails came in asking me about my Los Angeles uh, alphabetizing between the Rams and the Chargers. Mm. Did you notice all those? Yeah, um, it was because the spreadsheet I was using just had L.A. for the Rams, not L.A.R., and that comes ahead of L.A.C. for the Chargers. It was simply uh, a copy-paste issue. Okay, just I just wanted to get that just get that out of the way. All right, no, Baltimore Ravens. It's an important point. It is Baltimore Ravens breakout player. So I, I did my own list, and I then I checked with your article, and um, I saw some similarities and you know some differences. So let's go through it. All right. Well, let's give me your give me your list first, and then we'll uh, I'll react. I went with Isaiah Likely, the second mm. the second year tight end. I see that you did as well. Um, there's another name, a guy that I wanted to highlight, but I, I think the theme for me as I was going through this, Sam, was a lot of uh, give me the hype a year later type of guys. So we always sure. joke about the training camp hype. I don't think anyone had more training camp hype than Isaiah Likely with the Baltimore Ravens. You know, he was up there, top five hype guy in 2022. And What's that? And preseason. I mean, he was absolutely dominant in the preseason. So it sort of it, it ran all the way through the last uh, last off season, I guess. Exactly right. So he had uh, he was he was a middle of the field playmaker, athletic. He was making those spectacular catches every day in training camp. It did carry over into the preseason. And then when you get into the season, you know, Mark Andrews is there. It's tough to really uh, have a massive impact. Plus, you're still a rookie tight end. It takes time. But a year two tight end who's already shown some really good ability. I think Isaiah Likely is, is, the, uh, is likely the most obvious choice here. Yeah, I, uh, Likely was one of two, I think, that are pretty obvious for Baltimore. I think um, he was one, although I think it's less likely <laughs> now than it was when I wrote the article in January um, because you know Baltimore is shifting to this different offense that is probably going to feature the tight end less. You know, They're unlikely to have as many like three tight end type of plays in it this time with Todd Munkin as they were previously in the last couple of years. So I would say Likely's breakout ability is smaller now than it was previously in old offenses. Um, the other guy I think that's pretty obvious for them is David Ajabo, who is, you know, another year removed from that. It was an Achilles, right, for him? Yeah. Um, Achilles injury, which is... I mean, those aren't career enders, but those are serious, serious impediments for an, an explosive playmaker, like an edge rusher, to try and come back from. Uh, we actually have a, a guy planned at some point for the the offseason who's going to come on and talk to us about injuries. A doctor, I believe, is his technical term, um, <laughs> who's going to you know give us an idea of like what to expect from 
post ACL injury, what to expect from various different types of common injuries. Uh, and then specifically certain players, like now that they're a year removed or just coming back from this injury, what to expect. But for a guy like David Ajabo, you know, tore his Achilles at his pro day and then, you know, got back on the field, which it, it's in itself is pretty amazing, but didn't really have the ability to do anything after such a short layoff. Now we should start to see something like the player that Baltimore still drafted very high. Yeah, I think Ojabo is a, is a good shout just because, yeah, they they drafted him knowing that they were getting a redshirt season out of him. He's got Odafe Owe and Tyus Bowser ahead of him on the depth chart, but I think you're at least going to see Ojabo in a uh, designated pass rush type of role. Um, I don't know how uh, prepared he is to play against the run. He didn't do it a ton at Michigan. Um, the other name, not we're not going to list every single name, but um, the other name that came to mind for me was Justin Matabuike the defensive tackle for the Ravens, who was on his way to kind of a breakout season and then tapered off a little bit during the second half of the year. Uh, really good hand usage. He's heading into year four as a defensive tackle, so I think he's got breakout potential as well for the Ravens. I, my, when you were going through this, I, I found some teams, it's like, yeah, give me like these four guys, and other teams, it was like, eh, tough to yeah. find one. But um, let's move on. Buffalo Bills, breakout player. I had the same one that you had back in January. Khalil Shakir. At wide receiver, mm. does anything change after free agency? Deontay Hardy coming in. I actually wrote down both guys. Like one of Shakir or Deontay Hardy right. is going to have a big year, I think, for the Bills relative to you know wide receiver three type of potential. Yeah, I think it does change. I mean, with with uh, new players in the building at that kind of position, it just makes it harder for a guy like Khalil Shakir. He's still got the chance. I mean, if he comes in and uh, lights it up in training camp and proves that he's ready for that breakout. But now it's more a case of he needs to proactively earn the opportunity to break out, whereas previously with the, the way that that depth chart looked, he had the opportunity kind of presented to him. And if he simply seized it he would have had the the shot now i think it's it's definitely tougher for him so yeah i, I guess I, I am less confident in shakir being the breakout guy that i was uh back before a lot of the moves were made i could see james cook having a breakout season this year the running back dalvin cook's little brother you know i said all the time all the way through the draft this is assuming they don't sign dalvin by the way um <laughs> true but james cook reminded me of like dalvin on 80 percent at everything just four-fifths of Dalvin Cook across the board, uh, which is a really good player. Like, that's the important point there is, yes, it would be better if you were six-fifths of Dalvin Cook. That would be outstanding. Or five-fifths of Dalvin Cook. Those would be two excellent things. But being four-fifths of Dalvin Cook as a player would be an extremely good thing. So if Buffalo is able to, you know, manufacture that or, or get take advantage of that in year two, James Cook could absolutely have a much bigger season this year than he did a year ago. Yeah, I definitely considered Cook, especially, you know, as, as the Bills, you know, if they're going to spread the field and get James Cook into space as a pass catcher, I think that would be using his skill set extremely well. He'll be complimented by Damian Harris and, like you said, maybe his brother Dalvin at some point as well. Um, the other thing when I was going through this list for breakout players, I think sometimes we focus on the players who haven't done a whole lot yet in the NFL, but there's a few times where I said, maybe this player is ready to become more of a star. And that's where I just wanted to highlight Gregory Rousseau. He could be a guy in year three here who breaks out more, you know, closer to stardom. He was a top 20 most valuable edge right. last year, 80.6 grade. He already had a really good year. He was good. Is this a year that he takes toward becoming a star 
on the edge with his length, size, and uh, he was young when he got drafted after uh, sitting out the COVID year. So I think Rousseau could be another guy that takes a huge step forward here for the Buffalo. Yeah, there's Bills. always the the question of like, what is your definition of breakout? You know, that's that determines a lot of this. One other guy I think that's probably worth just throwing his name out there. Cameron Dantzler, I still think, has quite a lot of talent at the cornerback position, and I'd, I'd feel a bit more confident about this if Les- Leslie Fraser was still there. But schematically, Buffalo is a fantastic fit for the things that Cameron Dantzler does well. Um, and if they're able to kind of iron out the inconsistency that's been there in his game in the NFL and just get the good version of his play, he could crank you know, that, that rotation or that depth chart a corner and actually make an impact. Tons of stories in Buffalo this offseason. Sean McDermott taking over play calling. We've got uh, turnover at the linebacker position. Players like Cameron Dantzler, like who's going to be that cornerback too in Buffalo? There's a pretty heated competition opposite Tredavious White. So a lot of names to look at in Buffalo. Let's go on to the Cincinnati Bengals. Breakout player for the Bengals. I agreed with you again. I I did this in isolation, and then I looked back, and I also had Daxton Hill as a breakout as he replaces Jesse Bates at free safety. Yeah, this is one of those teams where there's an obvious like an obvious candidate. You know, Daxon Hill was drafted specifically for this reason, specifically so that he could break out in year two once Jesse Bates had left and there was a space for him to step into the lineup and, you know, get all the playing time. So if it isn't Daxon Hill, something has gone wrong for Cincinnati because this is a case where they've genuinely planned this out deliberately so that this is Daxon Hill's breakout season. You know, he was barely playing last season, basically averaging sort of five snaps a game uh, until injury forced him into the lineup more, uh, was playing way more special team snaps than he was playing on defense. But the whole reason was so that he could be ready this year, not last year. Similarly, the other player that the Bengals are hoping for is Cam Taylor Britt, uh, you know, second rounder coming out of Nebraska. He had a solid season last year, 64 grade. It was pretty good as a rookie. But I think, again, the Bengals... We're preparing for this. They were preparing for uh, Eli Apple to not be there any longer and Cam Taylor Britt to be ready to step in and waiting for Daxton Hill to step in. So I think it pretty much has to be one of those guys. I don't know if there's other – Cordell Volson maybe playing guard for the Bengals as a guy that is just on the list of potential breakouts. Most of the Bengals players you know, are, are either there or you know, we're, just, we're just looking at a bunch of veterans you know, filling – Filling their their two deep here, so there's not a ton of options. I don't think for the Bengals. More, though, I yeah, think the rookie class has a great out. opportunity to contribute as well. Right, two more that I would throw out there: um, Irv Smith Jr. at tight end. I, you know, nobody has ever questioned the guy's talent. It's just injuries have kept him from really being on the field for most of his career and being able to show much of that. He's come over for the from the Vikings in a similar kind of buy low, hope that you can sell high or just simple low risk, high reward type maneuver to the Hayden Hurst uh, move a year ago, right? You bring in this former first round, former high pick tight end, a guy that clearly has talent, but it hasn't worked out so far in this offense that we know is already cooking, you know, Joe Burrow and all these receivers and an offensive line that's only getting better. Like there's a place there for Irv Smith to have insane production if he can just stay healthy. But that's it. Pretty huge if in his case, right? I, I agree with name, that premise. I just didn't count him. Go ahead. <laughs> the other name where there's no path for this, but it wouldn't shock me in the slightest, if Charlie Jones hit the ground running and had a stupidly good rookie season. Like, it's going to need somebody to get hurt. But he's the kind of guy, I having essentially missed him 
first time around, you know, when we did our wide receiver rankings and looked through all the receivers, having essentially skipped over his tape and not really seen it. And then only when watching cornerback tape and watching him just burn every top prospect consistently, did you go back and realize, actually, this guy's really good. Um, I don't, like I said, there's no pathway for it. it. There's no reason it should happen. But if that guy has a good rookie season, and ends up shocking everybody, it wouldn't surprise me. We can't include rookies here, but, you know. Of course you can. You can? Okay, fine. Yeah. I did not consider rookies, but um, <laughs> I'm with you on the Charlie Jones thing. That's our own fault, by the way. That's not like a breakdown in scouting. It's more of a just where, how far did we get oh, in that list. I call that the Tim Patrick, though, Sam. That's how I discovered Tim Patrick when he was torching a Dory Jackson and other all the Washington corners that were coming out that year, and I was like, that dude – is really, really good. And I think Charlie Jones absolutely flashed. That's, that's another one of my things where, you know, like the senior bowl stuff, right? If you if you porch everybody during the senior bowl week, I have a disproportionate love, faith in that ability, you know, to, contrary to any information that's out there. If you torch everybody in the senior bowl, I will disproportionately go to bat for you relative to how good you should be based off all of the pieces of information available to me. That is another one of those things. If you consistently jump out from other people's tape, I buy into that more than if you just jump out from your own tape, right? In a complete failing of logic, but I'm on board for anybody that does that. All right, Cleveland Browns coming up next, but picture this one. The player you benched in fantasy football just went off with Best Ball on DraftKings. You get the best of your team all season long, though. This year, Best Ball on DraftKings is bigger and better than ever with $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grabs. Join DraftKings' biggest Best Ball contest today and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. Enter DraftKings' Best Ball Millionaire Contest and Snake Draft your team for the season. Each week, you'll automatically rack up points from all your top scorers. No ads, no drops and no trades. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. So head to the DraftKings app and sign up with the code PFF. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars. That's code PFF only on DraftKings. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer. Opt-in required with $10 entry fee. Bonus issued is 10 DK dollars. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void were prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. Offer ends July 14th, 2023. All right, Sam, on to the Browns. And we agreed once again. What the heck, man? I might have a new one, though. I don't – what did you get? Well, what was yours? I had uh, I had JOK, Jeremiah Wusokoromoa, and I also had probably the new one that you have, Elijah Moore. Nope. Oh, okay. All right. We're not in lockstep. All right, I'll talk about my guys in a minute. Who else do you want to add to the mix? It's a it's a re-breakout. It's Deshaun Watson. Oh, Okay, he's going to bounce cheated. back. That's cool. This year and and break out again. So you're going to get comeback player of the year. What's going to happen with that voting? I don't know. That would be wild, right? Well, you're a I voter. Mean, would you? He oh, ends no. up having a if he has a season that you know 85 PFF grade and all the corresponding stats that that would come with. He'd have to be a pretty strong candidate, right? Yeah, unless the voters just like, what are you coming back from? Don't want to. Well, yeah. Don't want to touch Quite a that. lot of things, but you know, we just don't want to highlight them. So, uh, JOK. I mean, my, my reasoning there is he hit the ground running as a rookie. He's been banged up, took a little bit of a step back last year, but I think the star potential is there. Undersized linebacker who just flies around the field, makes a ton of plays. So I think I think the potential is absolutely, absolutely there for JOK to be a top 15 or so linebacker in the NFL, top 10 to 15 linebacker. And then Elijah Moore, I'm eating it all up, man, eating up all the offseason hype. 
right? He's getting open at camp and, you know, great rapport. And he was just, you know, stuck at the bottom of that Jets depth chart, even though, you know, it's not the great greatest receiver depth chart over the last couple of years. But Elijah Moore is going to have this wide receiver two slash three breakout here for the Cleveland Browns. Liked him a lot coming out of Ole Miss. Just hasn't had a ton of opportunities with the sure. Jets. So he's going to break out here. Yeah, I, me and me and Mike Renner had a bet on Elijah Moore. I forget what the exact terms were. Um, and he was obviously a lot higher on Moore coming out than I was. There were quite a lot of people that liked Moore a lot. I'm starting to come around, even with a relative lack of evidence that they were right and I was wrong. I, like, I think Elijah Moore is kind of primed for that breakout um, if the Browns can get him the ball the way that the Jets weren't able to or didn't want to. Yeah, so I think, I think Moore is a great... Uh, a great option there and yeah Deshaun Watson if you want to count him as an option um, it's needed you know that's that's kind of oh yeah the other theme of 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 this you know if the Bengals are going to be good they need their two second year players at the starters in the secondary to break out the Browns obviously need Deshaun Watson to be not even the 90 plus player that he was in 2020 it's really the, the low 80s player yeah. that he was. I mean, it looked like he had this ascent into the elite quarterbacks where th there was a point in Watson's career where the production was a little bit higher than the actual PFF grade, the Will Fuller effect, Sam, that's what that is, and having DeAndre Hopkins for, you know, big chunks of his career. But he he got better in 2020 and, you know, only 6 games last year, but 55 grade looked nothing like what he was previously. So that's what that's what's really intriguing about the Browns and their potential, they're sitting on Deshaun Watson at quarterback where the potential is there, and then guys like JOK and guys like Elijah Moore. So um, I don't know if there's any other great options for the Browns. I mean, the the you know model guy in me would say Alex Wright at defensive end is going to break out, but you know he's got less pressure on him as edge four this year. But I think we got the right guys here, JOK, Elijah Moore, and then, yeah, Deshaun Watson if you want to count him. Yeah, Okoronkro is another player with potential. You know, it's got it's tougher now that they traded for Zadaria Smith. You know, the, the playing time is a little bit less, but that might actually suit him and just letting him be, you know, a primary designated pass rusher and just go nuts 20 snaps a game. Um, again, depends on your definition of breakout, but he's kind of been primed to be that guy for a few years now in different places. All right, we're on to the Denver Broncos. Who do you have for the Broncos for a breakout? Is it Russell Wilson? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to count Deshaun Watson, you can count Russell Wilson. I guess. Yeah. Sean I'm Payton's not, going to get the most out of that. Russ. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. Denver's Denver's not the easiest one in the world. I think most of their guys that you have faith in have already kind of broken out. Um, A lot of veterans. I, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of losing faith in the young edge rushers that I liked, their ability to, to really break out and be that guy. I still love that receiving core, but until the pass game is functional, I, I – you can't really buy into it thriving, right? Um, I guess the one player you're sort of left with is Greg Dulcich, a tight end. Who, That's my guy. That's who, who I would. Sean Payton yeah. has likened to Taysom Hill. Uh oh. Which means, you know, $40 million quarterback contract incoming. Is Dulcich, is, is he the top backup to Russ? Is he going to be competing with uh, Jarrett Stidham <laughs> in camp? Who knows? Dulcich was a he was a big play uh, a big play threat at UCLA, mm -hmm. and 
he's he's definitely my guy here. Now they also bring in Adam Troutman to maybe be more of a blocking tight end. You know, familiarity with with Peyton and with the Saints, but Chris Manhurts is on the uh, on the depth chart. Alberto is still there, but I think Dulcich has the he's got the path to the most tight end targets. And yeah. the the intriguing one here is will Sean Payton get Russell Wilson to to work the middle of the field? Right, it's it's simple enough to just like throw a seam route every now and again. But Dulcich can work the middle, stretch the seam. If Peyton can get Russ to throw to the middle a little bit more, not just attack on the outside with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims, whoever ends up Tim Patrick, whoever ends up being the you know top two or three receivers there, Dulcich has a great breakout opportunity. He's the guy that I wrote down, and I think is is the player to highlight for the Broncos because, like you said, if you look up and down their depth chart, a lot of veterans, a lot of good. Good players, good solid players, but not a lot of that breakout potential because they haven't had a ton of draft picks the last couple of years. Right. And that logic, by the way, you know, it, it's all Sean Payton dependent. You know, what he can turn this offense and Russell Wilson into sort of dictates who has any shot to break out. But the same idea that if he can just get this functional middle of the field thing working, um, then Jerry Judy is another breakout candidate for the same reasons. Like that guy. We said it from day one. He separates as well as any player in the NFL. He is an elite level route runner, particularly against man coverage. Um, he'll be open. Like if Russell Wilson can just work that area of the field, Jerry Judy will be there and it will be an open target. But there's no evidence that says that's going to happen. It's just sort of faith in what Sean Payton can do as an offensive mind. So maybe star potential for Jerry Judy. And if you're going to throw rookies in there, I'm going to throw Marvin Mims in there. As a guy, we're going to remember Marvin Mims' name. We're going to be counting all the teams that passed up on Marvin Mims in round two at some point this season. All right, let's go Houston Texans here. Definitely some some candidates here for the Texans. Do you want to do you want to start? No, who you got? So I went Derek Stingley. I mean, former number three overall pick. Um, I think there's some people who thought he was fine last year. He, I mean, he had a lot of penalties. He was just didn't grade all that well. And the guy that went a pick after him, Sauce Gardner, was Defensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah. And I don't think there was much difference between the two of those guys as prospects, right? Like, let's go back to what Stingley's done in his career. He had one of the best, if not the best, freshman season we've ever seen from a corner since 2014. And then didn't play as well after the fact and was hurt and was all sorts of banged up. And as a rookie, inconsistent. But Stingley has all the potential in the world, so I think that's a that's an obvious one. Sometimes it feels like cheating when you take the you know the most recent first round pick and say he'll break out. But I think that's the the guy to highlight. Um, and then I want to highlight Titus Howard uh, at right tackle. Another one. Of the, some of my options are those offensive linemen who take a few years to break out. So he's heading into year five, and he goes fifty nine grade, sixty two grade, fifty one grade. Last year, though, high 60s, and that's about when you're going to see a breakout from an offensive lineman. So maybe he did it last year, but maybe he, this year he gets up to the 75 range. Um, also playing right tackle in a Mike Shanahan or a Kyle mm. Shanahan adjacent system. You know, they, they just breed right tackles. So Titus Howard has a chance to break out from a grading standpoint this year. They breed right tackles. Yeah. Um, it's a great right tackle Stingley, system. The Stingley versus Sauce thing is interesting because – so I think you're right that there is there wasn't a lot of difference between the two as prospects in terms of just an overall baseline, right? Yeah. But there was a, a big difference between how you got to that that 
conclusion. So, you know, when you see these scouting grades thrown out there, oh, this guy's a 6.7, this guy's a 7.2, whatever, they would have been really close in overall scouting grade. But I do think that Sauce was a significantly cleaner, like, totality of data points to get to his whatever it was, 7.2, blah, 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 than Stingley. Stingley's was sort of all based off that incredible freshman season. It's like, if you can be that good right away and have the sort of prototypical size and measurables, blah, 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 then theoretically, you're as good as anybody that's going to come along, right? We know it's in there and we know coverage as a cornerback is volatile. So we can kind of give you a pass for the next couple of years with the injuries and blah, blah, blah. So you sort of have to throw out a reasonable amount of information to decide that Stingley was as good as Sauce, which is, I think, a fair thing to do. But you can now look back potentially with the years worth of hindsight and say, well, you know, maybe with looking, you know, knowing now what we knew, what we know, maybe Sauce should have actually been a bit, we should have weighted these things higher. But I do agree with you that, or I agree with the other people who sort of say he wasn't quite as bad as the stats and the PFF grade looked because cornerback in particular it's it's a results business, right? And if you're in good coverage, but you miss out at the catch point, you lose. You downgrade. You lost the play. The receiver won the play. You, you're you going to get negatively graded. Um, but particularly for young players, I, the first part is quite important. Being in close coverage at the time is a relevant piece of information, particularly when you're projecting forward to how that guy's going to play. So I absolutely wouldn't be shocked if Derek Stanley takes a big leap in year two. I think he showed a lot of sticky coverage, even if he got beat a lot. I, and I think generally the defensive side of the ball is the place to be for the Texans. With D'Amico Ryans coming in, I would bank on some random defender that's been there a while taking a giant step forward, like just becoming a guy we didn't think they could be based off a really good coach and a really good system coming in. So you know, Jalen Petrie will be a guy a lot of people highlight as well. I'm looking more at people like Desmond King, one of the linebackers, Corey Littleton, Denzel Perriman, um, the defensive end, Jonathan Grenard, who we thought would break out last year and didn't. Like somebody like that now in a D'Amico Ryan's defense becoming the player that we thought they could be. You have the entire Texans defense breaking out. That's yeah. good. Well, one of the entire Texans defense. Just remember that, right? When we're when we're trashing the Texans in our in our pre uh, our season previews and all that, you know, just be, just remember that the Texans have a decent group. It's a it's a better group than they've been. No, no, I just expect one of that collection oh, okay. of disappointing players to be good this year. Okay, perfect. All right, let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I think I agree with what you had a couple months ago. On uh, a few different ones, I've got both of uh, two two third rounders from last year, Bernard Ryman and mm-hmm. Jelani Woods. Uh, Ryman, a tackle who was just terrible in his debut, and just got a little bit sneaky good. It, you know, as the, yeah. the Colts' offense fell apart, and right, you know, nobody notices. Well, the left tackle still playing pretty well. Ryman played pretty well down the stretch, and he was always like a bit of a project coming out of Central Michigan. He should be good, and then Jelani Woods at tight end because he's a monster. In my my draft note was like, just want him on my team. And uh, it's time to just throw the ball to Jelani Woods a little bit more. Yeah, Ryman's debut was so ugly that I'm actually quite impressed he came back from that. Like, that was the kind of start that could break a person, just how badly he was victimized. Like, he got like a holding or a false start penalty every two minutes in that game. Um, and then you're right, kind of 
completely turned it around and by the end of the year was playing fine on an offensive line that wasn't. So Ryman is absolutely, I think, probably the first name you would highlight for them. Is Jelani Woods now just going to take over from Mo Ali Cox as the super freak tight end on the Colts roster who we expect to break out every year yes. and finishes the season with 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns? Maybe, but this could be yeah. a 500-yard year in 10 <laughs> touchdowns. Jelani Woods is going to have one year where he's got 10 to 12 touchdowns. It's, it's going to happen. Or maybe you spend every year just going, why don't the Colts get this guy the ball, ball more? What, what's happening? I'm still waiting on Jameis's breakout. Right. At what point am I officially allowed to claim that as a victory, by the way? Um, this is where I would say the league just didn't give him enough opportunity, Sam. I no, didn't no. miss. The league missed. Yeah. Also, my Vinny Testaverde comp for Jameis Winston, which I may have stolen accidentally by a statistical graphic that perfectly represented Jameis Winston by comparing him to Vinny Testaverde. Vinny's breakout as a, what, 1985 draft pick or whatever, Vinny's real breakout was 1998. So we have yeah. time when Bill Parcells, if Bill Parcells comes back like he did and rejuvenates Jameis Winston the way that he rejuvenated Vinny T, I got a few or, more years here. Yeah, if, Bill Be- if, the, if the late period Bill Belichick, right, ends up becoming Bill Parcells, where his, he just specializes in turning around bum franchises, right? Yes. Like, finally, this year's bad. Robert Kraft gets sick of it, fires Bill Belichick, and Belichick just spends the next 10 years on, like, a touring circuit of the NFL, rehabilitating terrible franchises. Yes. And every time he starts with bringing in Jameis. I like it. So, so as you just laid out, there's still hope. James yeah, is only, okay. what, year eight? He's got plenty of time. He's got so at least five more years. another 10 to 15 years, I can claim victory over the James Winston thing. Someday. Uh, not to go completely off topic, but um, we used to have that question, how long until Christian Hackenberg is a better quarterback than Tom mm. Brady, right? I would repose that as Tom Brady as, as owner of the Raiders. How long until Tom Brady is no longer the best quarterback in the Raiders organization? <laughs> We could really keep an eye on that, right? Because he is right yeah. now. Yes. We could keep an eye on that. When do the Raiders find a quarterback who is better currently than Tom Brady? We will, we will look at Also, in. is he the kind of person – so all of these you know, hyper-successful athletes, they're all crazy, and or they're generally speaking crazy in the same kind of way, right? It's being able to manufacture a perceived slide out of nothing and it's a complete and total inability to understand why people can't be as good as they are. Yeah. Like it just doesn't compute in their brain. Like I can do this. Why are you struggling so much with this? Like how hard is it? Right? Are we going to see this this sort of world where Tom Brady recreates uh Wizards Michael Jordan where it's like if you useless yeah. sacks of crap can't start playing better than this, I'm going to come back and do it myself. Like fair warning Get better in the next two weeks, or I'm simply strapping on the boots and I'm doing this. Like, are we going to get Brady's week eight coming back in a few years? Right, Jimmy G has sort of been awful or injured or a combination of both. They've been forced to play Aiden O'Connell and Brady at week seven. Is just like to hell with this. Give me some cleats. <laughs> I'm going out there. Just to circle back to the Colts, I think we highlighted a couple of good players, right? I mean, the um, <laughs> as far as Bernard Ryman at left tackle, Jelani Woods at tight end. Is there anyone else? That you'd consider there? Isaiah Rogers at corner already kind of broke out? Well, they're they're well-stocked for this in terms of 
the, for the last few years, they've been drafting like endless hyper athletes. So like any of those guys to break out on the basis that they have all the physical tools in the world. Like, you know, it wouldn't shock you if any of them has a random, amazing season. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right, on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I also went with Devin Lloyd, their second mm. first rounder last year. Again, it's similar to, um, was it Matt, like Matt Abuike, even though you know, earlier in the year, Matabuike looked good. The Ravens defensive tackle. Devin Lloyd looked good earlier in the year. He kind of tapered off, had some ups and downs, rookie linebacker woes. But he's really good, potentially, right? This is all about potential. Um, Athletic. He's got range and coverage. He should be good enough against the run. So I think Devin Lloyd makes a lot of sense. And then, of course, Trayvon Walker is the guy that they need to break out. So Trayvon Walker will probably be – if other – People are making breakout lists. They're, you you kind of make a Trayvon Walker by default, right? Of course, he's the number former number one overall pick. Didn't really wasn't really great as a rookie, but you know, flashed his potential here and there. So uh, I, I don't feel as strongly about Trayvon Walker breaking out right now. I think if he's going to, it might be late this year into year three. If you're going to have one of those Rashawn Gary type of uh, light bulb moments, but um, I think Devin Lloyd is the is the clear guy to highlight here for the Jags. Yeah, and I, honestly, I don't feel great about him either. Um, like the the back end of his season was pretty scary in terms of how bad he was and and how how far things fell for him within that Jacksonville defense. And you're right, you have to highlight Trayvon Walker simply be, for the same reasons you draft him number one overall. Literally unprecedented physical tool set between size, speed, ability, agility, everything. So. That's the reason you draft him number one overall. It's still the reason you you keep faith in him after a year and say, okay, year one wasn't amazing, but all those things are still there. Like if it ever clicks for him, he's going to become unstoppable because nobody else can match that kind of physical profile. So you have to mention it, but I'm kind of with you that I don't have a ton of faith in it happening. Um, certainly not to the point where I would push for him to be the expected breakout player. But the Jags are a team where you kind of struggle to find them. Um Certainly, if you're factoring in like your own confidence in it happening, like Walker and Lloyd are the two obvious guys to highlight for maybe it happens. But I don't have a ton of confidence in either of them. Um, I don't think Calvin Ridley counts because as much as he's had that layoff, like Deshaun Watson, the last thing we saw from him was amazing rather than the last thing we saw from Deshaun Watson being crappy. So I don't think Ridley really counts as a breakout. To that, you're kind of struggling. Maybe Dearness Johnson as like a thunder to Travis Etienne's lightning in the backfield. But beyond that, and I think I would count Trevor Lawrence as having already broken out. So he, he doesn't yeah. count either. So you're kind of out of options. Yeah, the one other guy that came to mind was maybe edge rusher Josh Allen. And in similar to the Gregory, Rous- Gregory Rousseau analysis, Allen is a guy who has several games of 90-plus grades, right? He's got these dominant games. He's got the Josh Allen game a couple years ago where he was just all over the place making plays. He had a few of those games last year as well, uh, but there was a big lull in the middle of the season. Josh Allen, the edge rusher, has a chance, right, just like Gregory Rousseau has, to maybe jump into that top 
eight or so pass rushers consistently year over year. He could be that guy. So maybe a jump to start. He's already really good. Maybe Josh Allen, a jump to stardom would be the other, other player that I would highlight for the Jags. But most notable here, it's all on the defensive side of the ball. And that's what the Jags need. I think the offense is going to be fine. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be fine. But on the defensive side of the ball, they need to find some semblance of consistency. But I think I think that's like a that's just emblematic of how that team has been for the last few years in terms of they've had talent on the defensive side for ages, and we keep waiting for it to sort of show the potential, and it it just doesn't. Like the endless stream of first round edge rushers none of whom end up playing to the level that we thought they would play to. Josh Allen's the closest, but they're they're consistently, you know, a letdown. You know, they've been stockpiling talent on the defensive side for years, which the only reason that we're highlighting breakout candidates on that side is because they haven't already broken out. Like those talented playmakers haven't become a thing yet. So you want to repackage this as disappointing players on the Jaguars. I mean I'm just saying for Jacksonville, I think that those are those are linked. All right, Kansas City Chiefs, I had a feeling you were going to go this route. Sky Moore, mm. breakout season, year two. You loved him coming out, and there's a lot of targets available now in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I have to I have to, I have to, keep faith with my own draft analysis of Sky Moore. I, I, but the rest of my rankings last season were pretty good for wide receivers. They, they were all looked pretty decent in the NFL, and I thought Sky Moore was every bit as good as most of those guys, so therefore... Sky Moore should be really good in this offense. Also, as much as year one was kind of disappointing for him, it, generally speaking, the problems were as a punt returner. True. Like, as a, as a receiver, it was more simply a lack of opportunity within the offense than, you know, he was bad at that. It was every time they put him back as a punt returner, which he doesn't do, he kept muffing the ball or fumbling it. Like, disaster. So stop him doing that and let him go be a wide receiver, and he can do everything in your offense you need him to. They had these weird games where... Uh, the first half Sky Moore wouldn't do anything and then in the second half they would just feed him the ball on short stuff and uh, get him the ball in space clearly they didn't hate Sky Moore as a receiver it's just going to be an opportunity thing the breakout player for Kansas City could it be Kadarius Toney right that's going to be one of the big questions is he going to be their new wide receiver one he's shown all the potential in the world because of his speed his quickness is off the charts but it was another one where it was like two or three plays almost per game, he would kind of like take your breath away, but it was only those, that was it. But if they give him more opportunities, we've talked about Rasheed Rice maybe landing in this perfect spot where, again, there's targets to be had. I mean, the answer is whoever Patrick Mahomes has a good rapport with, right? Whoever he just wants, if he wants to feed the ball to one person over uh, others, even like a guy like Richie James, who has been sneaky productive in various points throughout his stops in the league, Richie James could be this guy where we're sitting here like, oh, he's got, you know, 75 catches for the Chiefs. Richie James is this, you know, unheralded pickup. So it's whoever Patrick Mahomes decides to target as uh, believe, with all these targets available. Can't believe you, Mr. Offseason hype guy, says that and then neglects to follow it up with Justin so Ross. So Justin Ross is going to be the breakout guy. Um John Ross. Yeah, you're right. What about John I mean, Ross? But you're right, like this offense we know is so potent that if and there's this unlike say the Bengals right like Charlie Jones could break out within that offense because everything's functioning great and he's a really good receiver but there's three guys ahead of him so it kind of needs somebody to get hurt for it to happen Kansas City you've got a similar situation except the only player of sort of serious contention ahead of you is a tight end like 
the wide receiver depth chart is wide open. So if Mahomes just takes a liking to anybody, that guy's numbers could go through, could go to the moon just by virtue of opportunity. Like, you know, if he simply decides to feed the ball to literally any receiver in the NFL, that guy's going to end up with like 800 yards and 10 touchdowns on the season. So if the guy has anything to him anyway, you know, the, the, the sky is the limit, um, pun intended. The other obvious name to highlight is Trent McDuffie, last year's cornerback first-round pick, who missed you know, a decent portion of his rookie season between injury and concussion, I think, as well. But when he was on the field, not only did he play quite well, but they clearly trusted him a lot. Like He was given very difficult assignments for a rookie corner that had already missed quite a lot of time. Um, and, you know, you didn't see anything from his tape to suggest that he would be anything other than the player that he was in college, which was a really good corner. As much as we were so focused on the combination of Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley, like there wasn't a big drop off to McDuffie as the next guy. And I think he justified that last year. Yeah, huge Trent McDuffie fan. So I like him. And uh, Leo Chanel, I just want to throw him out there at linebacker, too. I don't know what his opportunities are going to be like, but he was right. good when he played plays the run as well as any linebacker in Kansas City. And if he gets an opportunity, Chanel could be good. I think it shows where Kansas City is with some of their uh, youth movement over the last couple seasons. Las Vegas Raiders up next. I'll just admit this is the team I struggled with the most. Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady breakout season coming up. Mm. Would you go? Yeah, with? I mean. I went Dylan Parham <laughs> at guard. He yeah. had a couple rough games, played a little center. They moved him around, ends up with a 62 grade. Um, he's a, it's one of those mo you know, model liked him, and he wasn't a disaster in year one. So he should be good. Um, so I think Dylan Parham makes sense as a potential breakout player. But honestly, beyond that, I mean, the, the defensive depth chart is not good. It's just not good. I mean, it's, just, it's a bunch of guys that have not um, – that have not produced yet. The cornerback group looks pretty bad. Uh, the one name I would highlight is Trayvon Merrig at center at, at safety because he was good as a rookie, took a massive step back last year. He just looked a step slow in everything that he did. Was that the new scheme? Was it just – what was it? Merrig could be a really good player. I mean, his two -year, even if you just look at his two-year production, it's good. Last year, though, it was terrible. So I think Merrig could be – uh, bounce back type of player, but I think Dylan Parham at guard is the only player that maybe even qualifies as a breakout that I have some confidence in. Yeah, I think Parham's the obvious, the most obvious one. If they can just at least settle on a position for him and let him try and you know master one spot rather than moving him around the whole offensive line like they did last year, I guess you could look to rookies as well and say Michael Mayer has a pretty decent shot of being a, a high volume, high impact player right away. And, you know, depending on how confident you were in Mayer, I was reasonably underwhelmed by him relative to a lot of other people. But there are some people out there that absolutely love what Mayer can do um, in the past game. And if he's able to hit the ground running with that array, like the, the space that's been opened up by trading away Darren Waller. Yes, they bring in Austin Hooper, but we know he's one of those guys that's just a body, a tight end. You know, there there is the space there for Michael Mayer to immediately leapfrog Austin Hooper and become their primary tight end. Yeah, I agree on Mayer. Um, I think, you know, the two tight end sets that Josh McDaniels will like to run and uh, using Mayer and Hooper, I think it's tough to expect a ton out of a rookie tight end. But yeah, Mayer, I can get on board with that for the Raiders.
All right, let's go Los Angeles Chargers. I struggled with this one a little bit too, Sam. Did you have – I didn't see who you had here. Oh, Does this still count from back then? You going J.C. Jackson? (sighs) The high-priced free agent's going to break out? I I mean, look, in our expansion draft, I I grabbed J.C. Jackson. So I have to have some confidence that J.C. Jackson is going to bounce back after what was an atrocious, you know – first portion of his first season outside of new england before he got injured um i'm definitely scared by it <laughs> i'm not not exactly confident that jc jackson is going to be amazing within this defense but you know we saw a lot of good play from him in new england i refuse to believe that, that just evaporated overnight by leaving the you know warm embrace of bill belichick so yeah i, I think jc jackson could easily break out i could see maybe a breakout for kenneth murray with um eric hendrick's now brought in to play alongside him and to sort of mentor him a little bit uh i could definitely see that i asante samuel jr as well i don't know if you count him as already breaking out but he showed the some of the playmaking ability that he has last season and you know he's able to put that all together consistently that could be a thing and then on the offensive line again depending on your exact definitions Either one of the guards, you know, Zion Johnson or Jamari Sawyer, who's now been moved into guard after playing well at tackle, like either one of those guys could end up being a good NFL guard this year as opposed to just passable. That's where I went with the Chargers. I went both guards. I mean, Zion Johnson first, um, last year's first rounder at a 62 grade. Uh, offensive lineman, I usually talk about the year three or four bump, but if you start in the 60s, you know, to jump up to the 70s in year two, nothing crazy like, you know, there. So I think Jion Johnson could do that. I'm with you on Jamari Sawyer. Was awesome filling in at left tackle when he needed to, you know, maybe being full-time at guard, probably a better fit for him, even though I think he could still be a reasonable tackle if needed. They just have Rayshon Slater there, so they don't need him. Um, so I'm with you on both guards. Um, my, where I struggled, I was, I was, I was looking, yearning even, for a front seven breakout player for the Chargers, mm-hmm. for this this annual question mark of a position that they did some, you know, halfway investment last year with Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day, and they already have more, uh, Morgan Fox there, and it's just, I don't see a ton of players there. So I was I was hoping to see something there for the Chargers, and that's what scares me a little bit about the Chargers this year. I don't know if the front seven is going to be good enough again, even with Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. Like, they need both of those guys to go to be back at that elite level, not grading in the 70s like they did last year. If they're back at their elite level, that will have a powerful effect on everyone else, but that front seven scares me a little bit about the Chargers. So I went with the two guards as breakout candidates. One last um, sort of left field answer, out of the box answer for this is if Kellen Moore is able to turn the dials on Justin Herbert appropriately, there's a big, there's a big room for him to get better. I think if he's just sort of dialed into optimum, you know, aggressiveness, optimum, that kind of stuff. Like if if Kellen Moore is able to come in here and and, and correctly calibrate what Justin Herbert is capable of doing. Like he could end up putting up, you know, genuine Mahomes rivaling numbers, which I think would would uh, would be a breakout for him. Like, yes, he's already shown really high level play, but if he comes out next year, you know, in in the butter zone of aggressiveness and and being careful with the football and just the the perfect optimization of that with Kellen Moore as the guy operating the switches, you could easily. I mean, I, I think genuinely this he's capable of playing as well as any quarterback in the NFL, which to me would 
would justify or would be a categorized as a breakout. I like it, Sam. Yeah, that counts. The uh, the breakout to actual top tier superstardom on right. the table for for Justin Herbert after just showing a ton of potential the first few years, a couple of years. Um, how about the Miami Dolphins? Do you have anybody to highlight for the Dolphins? I've got um, I've got a couple. Um, I mean, most of the Dolphins that you like have already broken out or are already really good, you know, immediately. I don't see a ton of obvious options for guys that would, you know, truly break out. I would say that Jalen Phillips already broke out last year, but maybe you can say there's still another level to go and, and that's the breakout that he'll be having. Um, who, who's your obvious, who's your guys? Uh, so that's where I was going to, I was going to go there two defensive linemen and, and do the superstar route, Jalen Phillips and Christian Wilkins. So Phillips, again, if just to beat a dead horse here at PFF, sack totals don't always tell the whole story. We have Jalen Phillips. The NFL, the NFL has him with eight and a half sacks in both his rookie season in 2021 and then in his second season in 2022. Same player, you might say, except his pass rush grade jumped about 30 points last year. Went from a 61 to a 90.1. So... In year one, we're telling this story. Hey, those sack totals don't tell the whole story for Jalen Phillips. He wasn't as good as eight and a half sacks might say. And in year two, we're like, wait, he doubled his pressure total? Literally doubled how many pressures he got and got the same number of sacks? That's the type of production. 90 pass rush grade on over 500 pass rushes. If he does that again, he'll accidentally have 15 or 16 sacks. Brandon Graham style, Sam. He'll have that, you know. He should have 15 if you have that many pressures. So I think Jalen Phillips has a chance to jump to star level for the Dolphins. And then Christian Wilkins, he's kind of like the unheralded class of 2019 defensive tackle. Dexter Lawrence getting his big money and Jeffrey Simmons getting his big money. Ed Oliver just got paid. And Christian Wilkins, I don't think he's been as good as maybe Dexter Lawrence, but just good, very dependable, good run defender, solid pass rusher. So to me, it's those two guys on the defensive line, Jalen Phillips and Christian Wilkins. Wilkins, I think, has already broken out. And Phillips probably – he broke out from PFF terms last year, but I think he has a chance to break out in, you know, national consciousness uh, this year with, you know, one of those – if he had a 15-sack season, assuming he keeps similar production, a 15-sack season is not out of the realm of possibility for Jalen Phillips. All right. We're going to get a, a Mike White breakout. Two goes down, Mike White steps in, finally gets the run to show that he can be the dude. <laughs> no. I, I want to see Tua get through a season. I want to see a full season of Tua. Yeah, same. So, no Mike White. Mike White already broke out in the hearts of many. Back-to-back -back years. Hearts. You can't break out three years in a row. Because Mike White's already done it two years in a row. All right, who's next? New England Patriots. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Patriots breakout player. I agreed with you uh, again. Was it Christian Barmore at the time? It's Christian Barmore. Yeah, because he's still the obvious one. Yeah, the other it, it, to me, it's a bunch of guys on the defensive side of the ball. It's Christian Barmore. Um, we we uh, many many shows ago, but like sometime this offseason, we were highlighting the most valuable defensive tackles to come into the league over the last three years, and it's like Derek Brown from Carolina as the only defensive tackle to even be an above average per season player from a value standpoint Christian Barmore is the next guy that has the potential to be that guy right and again we've seen we've seen glimpses uh he can rush the passer he should be able to play the run better than he has so far in New England he was so dominant at Alabama haven't completely seen that yet been a little banged up but I think Barmore is the 
is the option for the Patriots. Um, do, do you believe Josh Uche broke out last season already? Yeah, at least in terms of what you expect him to become. I mean, he's already a really high-impact, you know, rotational pass rusher, which I don't – I mean, I don't expect him to become much more than that. But if he does, then I guess that is a breakout. And Okay, so then the one other guy I wanted to highlight, the guy that we love, Marcus Jones yeah, at corner. And Marcus Jones did not play a ton of snaps on the defensive side of the ball, but there were games where he was the most electric player on the field just catching bubble screens and returning punts. And so I think he still has great corner potential. Is he just a slot corner? I don't know. He's another one of those guys who is so slight, but we've seen what his his movement skills are out of this world, Sam. I think you were on record saying, "Hey, if he if this guy was, you know, 3 feet 3 inches taller, he's he's a first round pick." So if he gets an opportunity, um, it's a bit of a crowded cornerback room, which might not be as crowded now after the Jack Jones incident this weekend. Mm. But Marcus Jones has a chance to be a breakout player on defense. Yeah, I mean, I could see anybody really from that corner room again being a breakout. Like Christian Gonzalez, as much as I didn't like him a lot as a prospect relative to other people, he's gone to the perfect environment for him to maximize his athletic potential, which is as good as anybody. Uh, so if there's no reason that can't happen basically immediately, right? If Bill Belichick gets his hands on him and gets him up to speed from a, a fundamentals point of view, Christian Gonzalez could be the best corner. He could have a Sauce Gardner kind of season, right, where he's immediately the best corner around and, and just dominates from, from day one. So I could absolutely see that happening. Marcus Jones, I'm with you. Loved what that guy was like coming out. He's tiny, right? He's like 5'8", 170 pounds, something like that. Like, tiny. But, like... The best way of seeing this is in the UFC, right? We have weight divisions. And the bigger the weight division, the slower and more lumbering these guys tend to move. And then the smaller they get, it's like they get turbocharged with caffeine and they just the the quick twitch is off the charts. And when you watch these like flyweights, 125 pound guys, they move at like an absurd speed that just nobody you're not capable of it. I'm not capable of it. Like they move quicker which they have to because they're 125 pounds. Like Marcus Jones is the NFL equivalent of that. And and there was a tape where he and Calvin Austin from Memphis, almost the same size individuals, but they were like one-on-one all game. And it was two guys that were five foot eight, 180 pounds, literally looked like the tape had been sped up. It was stupid. It, it looked ridiculous. But like Marcus Jones has that kind of quick twitch movement skills and that will offset a lot of sides. Like, you know, eventually you're going to have to cover a DK Metcalf or whatever, and there's nothing you can do about that physically. But being able to move like that allows you to do an awful lot as a corner, even if you are, you know, dramatically outsized and, you know, way uh, undergunned in terms of physicality. Such a fun matchup that Marcus Jones, Calvin Austin matchup, Memphis and Houston during draft season last year. So, yeah, Patriots have a couple defensive players with uh, breakout potential this year. All right, let's go to the New York Jets. Is it Randall Cobb? <laughs> Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard. So I mean, I think the yeah. obvious answer is Garrett Wilson, right? Yeah. In the same category of like he was already really good and now you're giving him Aaron Rodgers like we should see this guy turbocharged and just mind-blowing stats and a, you know or a, a, a top 5 wide receiver immediately if they can get any kind of chemistry right away, you know, or, or quickly, like the potential of that connection is phenomenal. Um, so I think that's the obvious one. 
is there anything less obvious? I mean, I think if you want to go Brees Hall at running back, if he comes back healthy, he was an absolute big play threat for the Jets when you had, um, you know, Zonovan Knight comes in and just he was kept getting contacted behind the line of scrimmage and wasn't getting anything going. The run game looked different when Brees Hall was out there. So I think he's yeah. a guy. And then the guy you highlighted months ago, maybe less so now, but Bryce Huff in that defensive line rotation, he had a 90 grade last year. He looked really good in the preseason as well. But Huff in this mix of Carl Lawson, Will McDonald now is the first rounder, Jermaine Johnson last year's first rounder, might be tough for Huff to get enough yeah. playing time. But when he was out there, he was earning it. So I think that's the other player to potentially look at there. Yeah, that defensive front is so stacked now with Carl Lawson, who you know we thought might get cut and get released, and that was part of the the logic for Bryce Huff taking a step forward. And this was before they drafted Will McDonald. So now Lawson isn't going anywhere. Jermaine Johnson, last year's first round pick, is still there. Bryce Huff, Will McDonald, John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams inside. Al Woods, like there's so many players for this Jets defensive front. All right, let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers breakout players in Pittsburgh is it Kenny Pickett I mean again what what constitutes a breakout they this is one where you could name a bunch of players and they're all they all have a shot with Kenny Pickett George Pickens if you think he hasn't broken out yet my guy we just mentioned Calvin Austin who basically missed all of last year he's a guy that's going to get I think a ton of uh, you know, training camp hype this year. You're going to hear his name a lot. Maybe he will be a, a, just a product of that hype, but maybe he can actually force his way into this offensive uh, system or offense and, and prove that he's got skills at this level as well. But maybe he breaks out. Um, I think you've got a lot of options with the Steelers. Yeah, I, my my actual selection was George Pickens. I do think, you know, your guy last year, who I liked quite a bit as well, he will take that next step. It, it did feel like every Every week he's making a spectacular catch. Yeah. He's got to. We just need a few more, like get open a little bit more, and you know get targeted a little bit more. So uh, he did get targeted more often when it was Kenny Kenny Pickett under center instead of Mitchell Trubisky. So I think Pickens is primed to steal targets from Deontay Johnson. My only caveat to that is I also have Allen Robinson as like a bounce back and great potential addition for the Steelers. But Allen Robinson and George Pickens, I think, maybe fighting over some of those red zone targets and fighting on some of those conversion downs. But I think Pickens has all the ability to take another big step this year. From a personnel standpoint, I have a lot of confidence in so many of the Steelers players, you know, actually taking a huge leap this year. The the thing that scares me is the coaching staff or the coaching setup, the scheme, right? right. Like if they had made a change this offseason and if we were talking about them as the team that had brought in Kellen Moore, you know, for example, just to name a name, um, like if we were talking about this this group of Steelers players and now Kellen Moore is coming in to run the offense, like you would be confidently predicting breakouts for Kenny Pickett, breakouts for George Pickens, you know, functional role for a guy like Calvin Austin, even if it's a, a sort of situational or a specific scheme thing. Like, you would be across the board, we're going to see these great seasons for Steelers players. But they didn't change anything from the scheme last year that felt like it was holding these guys back already. So that just makes you, I don't know if you can tap the brakes on it because they're still the obvious breakout candidates, but it just it damages your confidence that they're going to actually achieve that. I'll say this about the Steelers. This, this is the best-looking roster I think they've trotted out there in four or five years. 
As yeah. far, in, in the, when we described the Steelers roster the last couple of years, it's like, it's all right. It's solid. We don't know what the quarterback play was going to be like with late career Roethlisberger um, or rookie Kenny Pickett. But everything around it was pretty good, and I think they got better across the board this year. It will come down to Kenny Pickett, right? Our, our most optimistic Pittsburgh friends are like, all right, it's it, look at the last six or seven years in the NFL. Year two, Patrick Mahomes. Year two, Lamar Jackson. Year two, Joe Burrow. Year two, Kyler Murray. Kenny Pickett's time. He's the year two breakout this year. I'm not sure I'm ready to go there yet with Kenny Pickett in the Steelers. But if he, you know, even gets close to that, the Steelers are, they were a competitive team last year. They'll be a very competitive team this year. And if Pickett even sniffs anything that, say, Joe Burrow did in year two, they're going to be really tough in the AFC North. So um, I like the Steelers across the board, and I like a guy like Pickens to maybe become the next star receiver coming out of there Mm -hmm. all right Tennessee Titans let's wrap it up here in the AFC I think we've got all 16 teams done look at that easy remember the Titans remember you went chig don't forget them again Okonkwo last year Mm -hmm. earlier this year second year tight end as a breakout breakout potential for the Titans yeah, I mean, he was pretty incredible last year. He made some spectacular plays in an offense that wasn't really functioning particularly well. I think he's a good breakout candidate. I think Traylon Burks could be if they get, you know, if they get it together, sort of figure out what they want him to be, where, where they want him to play, how they want him to play, all those kinds of things. He was such a difficult projection for a number of reasons, but one of them was he didn't really play wide receiver at Arkansas. He played athlete, and they just got the ball in his hands in as many ways as humanly possible, which is great for the college level. It's kind of like, it reminds me a little bit of the running back dynamic where the lower down the level of football you get, the more important a running back is and the bigger he can, the bigger impact he can make, right? Certainly towards winning and losing. So high school running backs are like the best players, which is part of the problem in terms of like, there's no, there may be a disincentive to get it. Like if you had a kid right now, right? And he was a football prospect and you're like, God, don't be a running back. Cause when you make the NFL, those guys get hosed, screwed. Don't get the money. Their, their career is three years long. You're out of the league. You're now arthritic and you have no money. It's a terrible thing to be, be a cornerback. Instead, you'll make way more and you'll like your career will be last longer, blah, blah, blah. But at the high school level, like you're going to be playing running back. Cause that's where your best players play essentially. And college, it's somewhere in the middle, but it skews more towards the high school. Um, the 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 ability to sort of deploy athletes as just athletes within an offense, again, the lower down the level you get, the more that works. Um, so in high school, you can just move a guy around anywhere, quarterback, running back, receiver, blah, blah, blah. Uh, college, you can do it as well, where you just get the ball in his hands. And because he's a special athlete and there's more space to work with, he will do special things. And then you get to the NFL, and it just doesn't really work as well. You can do it. Like, you can force feed a guy gimmick touches, but it puts a fairly hard ceiling on the impact that guy can make, right? Which is why Tavon Austin can hang around the league for a decade, but he can't be a number one superstar because he just doesn't do enough. Traylon Burks, you know, minimum, can be a tavon austin type of player right he can be a gimmick player for the next 10 years and still have a positive impact on every offense he steps into but if he's going to be a true number one wide receiver he's going to have to learn like wide receiver things and be be a wide receiver first and a gimmick player as like an add-on 
Yeah, good call. I mean, the the gimmick players that didn't work. I mean, there's a lot of them, but uh, Ted yeah. Ted Ginn comes to mind as a guy that was just pure manufactured touches at Ohio State that worked and then didn't work at the NFL level. Tavon Austin, absolutely. Um, I was going to highlight because I saw him in person last year. Sam Nick Westbrook Aquina have some <laughs> opportunities this year to okay. break out, and I got to shout out my guy Elijah Molden got banged up last year. I think uh, had a solid rookie season, hurt in year two. I don't know what his path to the field looks like. They got Sean Murphy Bunting coming in to probably man the slot. You got Christian Fulton, Roger McCreary, uh, former first rounder Caleb Farley is still kicking around there and yeah. uh, you know trying to see the field. But if Elijah Molden plays football, I was a big fan of him coming out, and I think he's showed it a little bit at the NFL level. Can be that do it all nickel type of corner. So I got him as a as a breakout candidate if he's given the opportunity. Do you have any faith in? Arden Key's ability to now become so Arden Key is one of these guys that was the sort of poster child for long thin edge rushes at the college level translate badly to the NFL level right that lightweight is one thing but if you're lightweight and skinny and long it's a problem it's a real problem um and then he sort of packed on muscle and as a situational player developed into quite a really good pass rusher whether it's San Francisco Jacksonville he might end up being or the Titans might end up trying to get him to be an every down edge rusher again, uh, or at least as, and Tennessee is a team that really does use every down edge rushers. But let's say, you know, he doesn't play Harold Landry snaps. Let's say he plays seven, 800. Like now that he's developed into a really good productive situational guy, do you think he could actually take a step forward again and become an every down guy after sort of getting to that point in his career? No, it's a good question. I think I, I would rather see Arden Key in a similar role that we have saw the last couple of years with the Raiders and the Jags, where he, the bulked-up version lined up on the interior a little bit more. Um, they do have Rashad Weaver there, along with Harold Landry. I think a, uh, a rotation with Weaver and Arden Key probably makes the most sense. Um, it might be too aggressive to have Arden Key. He's, so he's played 400 to 500 snaps, four four 500 snaps basically the last three years. And the last two seasons, pass rush grade has has jumped up because, again, I think he has bulked up and he's been used all over the line of scrimmage. I do think that's the best the best place for Arden Key, not necessarily a full time role at edge. But I'd be fascinated to know. Um, it'd be fun to see. I'm just I'm going to ask this on Twitter. I'd be fascinated to know what his weight is now because there's not like he, you know he's he's like Pat Williams listed at 317 for his entire career. Like Arden Key is listed at 240. Which is he what he was so skinny at, at LSU and then coming into the NFL. I thought Shalit, remember Shalit Calhoun from Michigan yeah. State, also really skinny. He kind of bulked up a little bit for New England and had some success. I texted uh, Bobby back in 2021. was like, hey, can you steal some weights for me? It was probably like a HIPAA violation or something. But he's like, you'll have to talk to our training staff. So I could not get that answer for our listeners here. I am uh, okay. I'm not the best journalist here, Sam. I don't, I no, don't do a great job of, of digging like up it. our answers. Yeah. You're, so well, the way it's supposed to work is you're supposed to, you know, violate HIPAA or whatever, and then just not release your source rather than release your source, but be unable to violate HIPAA. Yeah. I mean, had I had the number, I would just say a source within the 49ers organization. I mean, I don't, could be John Lynch. <laughs> could have been John. Never know. You know? Anyway, I think that's all 16 AFC teams. Breakout players. Let us know. Where'd Let's we go. hit? Where'd we miss? Let us know in the comments. Hit that thumbs up. Look at this. We got a whole we got our list right here on YouTube. Boom. 
Isaiah Likely, Kalusha Kier, Dax Hill. Get all these guys in your All-22 Fantasy League because we guarantee they're going to break out. All of them. Mm. Bernard Ryman. Got J.C. Jackson from Sam. A ridiculous take, but yeah, sure. Jalen Phillips and Christian Wilkins for the Dolphins. Potential stars on that defensive line. Christian Barmore for the Patriots. Pickett to Pickens. The next Montana to Rice for the Steelers. And uh, we didn't spend enough time with Jacob Quanquo, but uh, he was really good right from training camp for the Tennessee Titans and then into the season. So um, look for the tight end to take another step in year two. All right, man. Appreciate you coming at us from, uh, from Florida. And uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll be back again Wednesday with more PFF NFL Podcast. <laughs>